and you, you know you'll realize that with, you know with that sense of you know of authenticity and creativity if you go back and you really look at the portfolio of of Sam Adams as the as the beers under the brand developed in at the time a lot of it was really very you know very innovative really really cutting edge for you know, the American brewing community so there's no you know there's really nothing inauthentic about about what we do and that was megan parisi pink boots member in the boston chapter and brewer at sam adams on this week's episode of Roots. the brew roots podcast is proudly affiliated with the mass brew bros be sure to check out their website to stay up to date with all mass beer related news Hey everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Brewers, where we tell the stories behind your favorite craft beverages. I'm Matt, and joined by my side are my awesome co-host, Sound Guy Ryan and Erica. Yo. Ryan is in a awesome mood today. He is so full of energy. And we're going to try to get, like... We're going to steamroll this shit. You're going to get, like, an amazing transformation of Ryan. The beginning is going to be Sad Guy Ryan, and by the end... It's going to be Happy Guy Ryan. Wild Guy life. Ryan. I'll just be Ryan. Thanks. The artist formerly known as Sun Guy Ryan. Exactly. Oof. Mm-hmm. Well, we had an awesome episode last week. We had our friend from... Abilene, Texas, and that was Sock Dolliger Brewing. Yeah, that was a, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I learned James a lot about, did. Yeah, and I learned a yeah. lot about the Texas scene. I think a lot of our listeners did, too, based upon yeah. the numbers that we saw. I'm interested in checking it out for myself. Yes. I, it's so amazing. I mean, you've to been me. there, but yeah. I haven't. Not to not to the brewery. No, no, but you've been to the the state. The state of Texas uh, is I awesome. Yeah. The thing that's crazy about the state of Texas to me is that you can drive two hours and get like two hours plus. Yeah, and just go it's to like, a, not like, a big deal. There's like five breweries you'll see in two hours. If we drive two hours, we'll see like twenty thousand. Yep. Breweries. Exactly. So once again, Massachusetts, best beer scene because of that. Best and beer scene. Honestly, our beer is really tasty up here. It is, it is pretty delish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of delicious beer, what beer are you guys drinking this week? Ryan. Um, I've been drinking um, a lot of uh, Melody Maker. Ooh. A um, whole bunch of Mighty Squirrel stuff uh, right now. Um, sipping on some Ecstasy of Gold from Widowmaker. That's a good one. That's a good one. It is a really good one, and it's in our local packy store now, which is awesome. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't have to drive down all the way to uh, the the South Shore, as they say. Nice. It's barely the South Shore. It's the first one. It's the first one, but it's still the South Shore. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, other than that, it's just been a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Wandering Soul. I'm so excited. Their Past Life Vienna Lager is coming soon. Yes. So yeah. look out for that because That's that, honestly, that beer was so freaking kick-ass. So good. And uh, if you like Matt's IPAs, which his, I'm sure you guys have had. Yeah, there, his Vienna Lager is amazing. Um, yeah, the Vienna Lager yeah. kicks ass. Um, I've been drinking Springdale. I'm drinking a Springdale IPA right now. Uh, I've been drinking Jack's. Mm. Um, I had another new Celtics beer. I'm, I'm curious to try yeah, it. Yeah, I This haven't. is so fun that they're doing that. Yeah. I had a, it's uh, the shipping out of Boston beer. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that They're sounds so good. good. It's a very good black lager. I'm so, jelly. Yeah, I enjoy that quite a bit. I have to find and, that. Uh, you got that local? I did. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Actually, I That's got that cool. in a uh, 
they do like the 12 pack or they do something weird don't they do like the 14 pack or something it's like, like a 14 or 15 15 pack, pack or huh. something like that yeah i got it in that one i'm gonna have to think and, about uh, of that yeah and i've been drinking some of the beer that we got um on our latest trip yeah yeah it's some the white western lion. world that that golden ale uh <sighs> my girlfriend did like that beer it's such a good beer it's so good yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a lot of fun um we're going to have a couple episodes from the western part of the mass some springdale uh springfield breweries so yes uh stay tuned for that but who do we have this week oh who do we have this week meg parisi it might just be yeah from sam adams yeah yeah i'm very excited about this uh it's not just because we are getting like Sam Adams on the podcast. Like that's cool. But it's don't get me wrong. Meg Parisi, who's kind of like a well known badass in the industry. Yeah. As well, well like, you know, definitely in the New England industry, but she's she's awesome. And she's been a head brewer at C B C. Yeah. She's been a head brewer at Warmtown. So mm-hmm. she's got quite the uh knowledge of like the mass beer scene. She's got a pretty um, good resume. Yeah, you know? no, and and <laughs> you know, the Cambridge beer the Cambridge Brewing Company, uh, like a spider web, if you will, of brewers. It's just like it's so amazing, yeah. like how many <laughs> awesome brewers there are out there from uh, CBC, and Meg is one of the best for sure. So thanks CBC for you know training all these amazing brewers. Yeah, yeah, and we That's did great. this interview uh, a long time ago, pre-COVID. Mo- yeah, the before time. It was very pre-COVID, <laughs> um, and you know we we were saving it until things started getting you know, a little bit back to normal in terms of our downloads and listens. Um, so we decided to release it this week. And, you know, I can't wait. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was oh, a and, lot of fun. And that that tap room is oh, so it's beautiful. Amazing. Nathaniel Hall tap room. I don't know if you can sit there right now. I know they're doing like yeah, so it is growlers to go. To yeah, go. it's just to go um, only. Yeah, so unfortunately, hopefully soon you will sit there yeah. maybe. But for now, definitely if you're in the area, stop by, get some growlers to go because... She's still brewing there and putting out yeah. amazing beer. So. And there is some, like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's Sam Adams, Boston Lager, blah, blah, blah. Um, their Black is Beautiful draft beer that they have out is a 9.3%. Um, <sighs> Delicious. Imperial Stout. And it's they're offering with four packs to go oh, right wow. now. That's awesome. Um, the, there the, you have a Vienna Lager out right now, which they're using Noble, Noble Hops. So, cool. like, cool, 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 cool. really good beers yeah. out there. And, like... Yeah, Boston Lager is a great beer. Um, not always my go-to beer, but if I am at a bar and there's nothing else, it's a solid go-to. It's a solid go-to for sure, and would always be the go-to. So yeah. yeah, and what I was just gonna say is, I think we talk about it and mention in the episode, but like the beer that you know Sam Adams is known for, like Boston Lager, the the stuff at the Faneuil Hall Tap Room is completely different. Completely different. Yeah. You're not um, gonna find it at any other locations it it can compete neck to neck to any other craft brewery oh, yeah. out there easily yeah what was it we had the uh there was a green tea ipa when i was oh, there. yeah like yeah and then there's this really weird one with like a certain type of oak yeah in it yeah that made it like really spicy it was like or something African it was yeah it was exactly. super crazy so, yeah. you'll hear about it in the episode yeah. i highly recommend yeah so just like the innovation coming out of that tap space is incredible and uh it's beautiful. Like we got to see the the deck that, you know, they were really excited about, and I think this will give people uh, the opportunity to be really excited about it for next summer, and uh, or maybe the fall. Hopefully the fall. Yeah. Responsibly. Yeah. Yep. Um. But 
other than that, uh, the only other bit of news I have is uh, Portico Brewing Company. Yeah, so they've been around since 2012, I believe. Yes. Yeah, so but to be honest, we don't know a whole lot about them. That's right. So our friends, the Mass Brew Bros, uh, who we have partnered up for this podcast, um, released a blog on their website, so massbrewbros.com. Make sure you guys uh, check, it, check out. it out. But uh, Portico Brewing is opening a brewery in Somerville. And I believe someone wrote on Facebook that this is going to be the best smelling business in all of Somerville. Yeah, because it's right next to that chocolate place, yep. right? And yep. then and then um, then uh, so Taza Chocolates. Here. Yep, yep. It's going to be there and um, donut. Uh, it's not Somerville Donuts. It's no. uh, oh my god, why can't I? Oh, it's, uh, Union uh, Union. Oh, donuts. Union Square or Union Donuts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Donuts. yeah. So it's. Uh, that's gonna be such a destination. Yeah, can you imagine? Like, how I need to see those smell? collabs. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, um, it's gonna be a fifteen hundred square foot tap room in space and a small in-house uh, kitchen. Yeah. So, pretty modest sized brewery, but um, I'm excited to to find out a little bit more about them. So, I think uh, I know yeah. Rob and Bob are probably listening. Uh, we need to meet up. This yeah. is how we're initiating our meetup. We need to, to uh, figure out get a together bit about Portico. Yeah, because, uh, I've heard about them. And I don't think I've ever seen their beer or had it. Yeah, but no, they've been around for a while apparently. So be yeah. curious to learn more. Yeah, as absolutely. I'm sure all of you guys are. And I'm sure there are people up there and being like, "Wow, you guys don't know about Portico." I'm like, sorry, sorry guys. Sorry. <laughs> well, this episode is a really great one, and we don't want to delay it too much. But we have awesome words from our sponsors, which we would strongly encourage you guys support because um, they are. You know, locally ran, uh, beer wine yeah. hobby, and uh, shirts on tap, which is ran out of, out of San Diego, and they have New England shirts they do now, have a which New is shirt, pretty so, freaking awesome. Um, you are able to support the mass beer scene, the New England beer scene, by supporting shirts on tap yeah. as well. All those shirts, you get um, like a discount code with each shirt, so yeah. kind of gives you kind of that idea to go see that brewery, use the discount for a beer or something, and yeah. get a cool shirt. And this one hasn't been recorded yet, but go check out Four Star Farms. Because we love them. and Their fresh hops are coming out. That's right. And Ryan and I and you want to brew a beer with their hops. Damn tootin'. So I think we might be able to. So uh, yeah, check out Four Star Farms. They're doing a lot of great things with local breweries right now. And I can't wait to try some of their wet hopped beer that's going to be coming really <sighs> soon. Wait. Stay tuned, y'all. Yeah. All right. And... Um, Without further ado, let's take it to the episode, and we'll catch you on the outro. Cheers. Hey, Sound Guy Ryan here. Didn't know if you heard, but we're a part of the Hopped Up Network. There you'll find other informative podcasts about beer. So go ahead, follow them on social media, and visit them on their website, hoppedupnetwork.com, to learn more about the people, beer, and breweries from around the country. And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers.
At our local homebrew shop, Beer and Wine Hobby, you can get everything you need to make beer, wine, cider, and cheese. Not sure where to start? The knowledgeable staff at Beer and Wine Hobby are there to help. Beer and Wine Hobby is family-owned and located in Danvers, Massachusetts. To learn more about them, check out their website, www.beer-wine.com. Don't forget to use our promo code BREWROOTS for 10% off your online order today. Cheers. Cheers. All right, so we are at Sam Adams. Sam Adams. <laughs> we just Very celebrated exciting. our 100th episode we a couple did. weeks ago, and yeah. I think it's very appropriate that we're now with Sam Adams yeah. doing this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm, I'm sure all of our listeners out there know the story of Sam Adams, how it started, and what it is today. If you haven't, I'm sure you can Google it. It's on <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. um, and we are here today with the head brewer of their newest taproom location at Faneuil Hall, which if you're not from the Boston area, you learned about it in fourth grade, I guarantee. <laughs> so just think back in the time machine of learning about Faneuil Hall and in Boston. Boston. Yeah. Um, and we're here with Megan Parisi. Thank you so much for taking the time out to do this today. Yeah, yeah well, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in, especially. Anytime. <laughs> you know, we came in, we did it earlier, so there was no traffic. We might have traffic on the way out, but... Oh, we most certainly will. Well, yeah. <laughs> Worth it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> My daily commute, trust me. Uh, so we start every one of our podcast episodes by asking your role at the brewery and your first memory of beer. Ooh. Well, my role, you know, at this particular brewery, uh, you know, at the Sam Adams Boston Tap Room, is head brewer. So there are only two of us here on site brewing: uh, me and uh, my other brewer, Wade. But I am you know, responsible primarily for recipe development, uh, brewing, organization, calendar, production, scheduling. Not all in a vacuum. And there's other, you know, I've got other people and other resources, you know, to know to reach out to as well but pretty much just running the daily running the daily operations here making the work finishing the beer and all that jazz my first memory of beer would probably be the first taste of beer i ever had was with my sister we were probably nine and eleven at that time good solid ages yeah good solid ages (laughs) in this little old wooden bar that my father had and there were some cans of Budweiser in there warm of Mm. course (laughs) and the two of us opened one and we're not fans (laughs) just put it that way not fans and who knows when I finally actually started having beer that was that made me a fan but that was not that was definitely (laughs) not not it (laughs) nice uh for you what was the original plan um didn't grow up and that didn't inspire you to, 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 <laughs> be, to, a brewer. to, to be a brewer uh what 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 was the original plan uh the original plan was to be a musician cool uh so my my degrees are in uh clarinet performance from boston university so nice. i've been in the boston area for a long time brian goes to boston university i do right oh, and i excellent. also play clarinet no <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. small world <laughs> wow <laughs> so i've got my my degrees from there and my first career actually was as a performing classical musician. So, you know, first plan actually did work out, which was really kind of <laughs> <Congrats>. nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... One of the th- first ones we've heard here. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. well, it's, it's another, it's a really tough field. Mm. Uh, it's another, you know, really tough, really competitive field. Yeah. Um, 
I was really fortunate to, had to, I mean, obviously, I guess you could say I was talented and worked hard. But with that, just like with anything, yeah. uh, fortunate to have the wherewithal to recognize an opportunity to take my talent and hard work and seize that opportunity <laughs> at the right time. For sure. You know, to actually, you know, get a, get a job, win an audition, take an audition, and then win the audition for the U.S. Navy Band in Washington, D.C. Wow. Wow. So when I, of course, was in college and everyone talked about the military bands, I thought, oh, no, that's not for me. <laughs> I couldn't imagine going through boot camp. <laughs> uh, you know, a little, oh, you know, a little musician, a little college kid musician going through boot camp. Are you crazy? But, you know, you want a gig? Hmm. You survived. You, I, I, I was the honor recruit. Oh, hey, if you're going nice. to do it, you got to do it all the right, way. Right, right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And then what happened after that? You went right into brewing from there or? Well, I, when I left the Navy band, I had left actually because of an injury. So, uh, you know, kind of lost some of the fine motor control in my right yeah. hand. So just, you know, not able to play at the same level mm -hmm. that you really need to, you know, as a professional. Right. So I did the administration, uh, music administration for a while, worked in admissions at Northwestern. Uh, then we came back to Boston and I was at Boston Conservatory and BU running production for, you know, for each of those schools for a while. But the performer in me was tired of not being on stage and yeah. being, feeling frustrated. <laughs> so for sure. then it was on to beer. Mm. Awesome. And did you start as a home brewer or were you just knocking on everyone's door hoping someone would hire you? Or like, how did you get into the beer industry? Yes, both. Okay. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, I had, I'd been home brewing for about 10 years okay, by, by awesome, the time I thought awesome. of actually making the transition. Mm -hmm. And one thing I remember at the time was, of course, realizing 10 years of home brewing, I didn't know anything about quite the same. brewing. No, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I, but I, you yeah. know, I, I knew that, that that doesn't mean I know anything about actually making beer that people would pay money for. <laughs> mm. Right, right. Because that's what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, you're asking, you know, people loved your free homebrew. Right, but right. But if you're going to ask someone to, you know, pay you four bucks for that, you know, 12 ounce bottle, they probably don't want yeah. to as much. <laughs> so I, you know, at, at the time I decided to enroll in uh, distance learning classes through UC Davis. Okay. Great. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I left my job at, at BU and I enrolled in, it's kind of like at the time, this was 2003. So the program that they had, the, the initial one was kind of a, a prep, I call it sort of like, it was like Princeton Review for the Institute of Brewing and Distilling exam. So I you know, enrolled in that said, all right, let me just at least dive right in plan to take you know some courses through go go back to you know, remember I was a musician so go back to um, you know general math and science which I hadn't taken since high school <laughs> right? as a musician yeah. but you know go back to those the foundation of those so that if I was cause if I was going to make this transition you know, I felt that I really needed to have the knowledge to actually yeah. you know to, to be serious because that's to be a you know, disciplined professional and that's you know coming from the music background right you know, all about you know discipline and study and diving you know really you know diving into things and picking it apart so that's why i went there yeah uh, i this are my words not your words but mm. do you see that maybe not people taking that same respect towards brewing today and craft beer well you definitely see, definitely see a lot of people you know going straight into you know, straight from homebrew to you know, opening a brewery without without education, without mm -hmm. the 
without diving diving as deeply. But then again, a lot homebrewers today have a lot more information available to them than than we did in my generation yeah. twenty yeah. years ago. Things are much different. The process was different. What you use for equipment was different. Mm. Yeah. And you know, and even the resources, the books, there weren't as many books. There wasn't as much, you certainly didn't have wikis out there. You didn't have <laughs> just as much research available. You didn't have, you know, the internet to go search anything. And there just wasn't the information. So I think today's homebrewers are a lot more knowledgeable than you know, than you know, we were at the time, you know, as as a as a larger group. There's they're much more they already have a lot more of that information. Sure. You, you mentioned home brewing earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, how early did you catch the bug for home brewing? When did it become a hobby, become a career idea? Well, of course I was 21. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was in grad, in grad school. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So early 90s and I was, you know, shopping over at what was just, you know, just the modern brewer on Mass Ave out in, out in Cambridge, you mm-hmm. know, before it was, the modern homebrew emporium yeah. and part of a larger group. I mean, this was you know going way out to the boonies to get homebrew <laughs> stuff. I mean, it was far yeah. out at the yeah. time, taking the tea out to Davis and walking from there to get homebrew stuff. Yeah. And then, and then bringing it back. <laughs> and then right. bringing it yeah. back right. with you on the tea. Yeah. yeah. So what was your first um, craft beer job or brewery position? Like, did you start with Sam Adams or... Uh, my first, no, my first uh, brewing role was back in 2004, and this is where it goes back to the knocking on doors and yes. trying to get people to, <laughs> you know, to talk to you and yeah. give you an opportunity. I, while I was, you know, studying for the certificate exam, I also decided to, you know, attend every brewer's dinner possible, and this was back in a day where there, there were a lot of breweries hosting brewer's dinners with restaurants or, you know, okay. around town, so you could go to them, and that you actually would meet the brewers, and I went to one with um, Beer Works and Cambridge Brewing Company. And I met, you know, Jody Andrews and mm-hmm. Will Myers and nice. thought, you know, it was a great opportunity to, you know, stalk them both. Yep. <laughs> uh, Jody, you know, had me come in to Beer Works for a day, just at least, you know, not to brew, but just, you know, to hang out and chat and yeah. talk about, you know, just kind of, you know, ideas of making a transition. And I, you know, sent both, you know, her and Will my resumes. Neither of them had jobs, but at one point, a couple months later, Will did have a job. Okay. And called me, and I, I interviewed for it, and I was completely unqualified. <laughs> but he still was impressed enough with the fact that I was taking the right I, steps, kind of. Yeah, yeah, that I had quit my job right. to study. <laughs> that you know, that was a commitment. I'd already like, I'd already like, you know, jumped off the edge, you know, and said, "I'm, I'm doing this. I'm yeah. committing to doing this. I've, you know, I'm." You know, that's pretty huge. Yeah. Quitting your job and just going yeah. full in. <laughs> how, many, how many people told you you're crazy? Oh, not that many, actually. Oh, yeah. That's good. Sur- surprisingly. Nice. I mean, <laughs> fortunately, I think maybe they thought I was crazy, but kept it to themselves. And it was <laughs> yeah. a, but it was, you know, my, you know my, my husband and my family, the rest of my family were were definitely supportive. I think they figured that I would do it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Somehow. But yeah. you know, back to the, the so the first job, you know, Will didn't hire me for the assistant brewer position because he actually did get a qualified candidate, but he did start inviting me in every Monday to you know, wash kegs and scrub floors Very and cool. clean mold yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> well, all the fun stuff. And then I kept showing up. Yeah. Now every Monday I would show up and 
Oh gosh, actually realizing we're just about to come up on the anniversary of that. It was it was President's Day, two thousand four. That was nice. my first my first Monday there. Yeah, I was going to remember that. So yep. that was my gosh, sixteen years ago. Very would cool. Would be the first day I, you know, started working in a brewery of not getting paid. But I kept showing up, and yeah. eventually they realized, well, I guess we got to start paying her because she's actually <laughs> she's still showing up and she's doing well and is still committed to this. Right. So we, you know, we can use her help more than one day a week. Very cool. It's kind of interesting to see where CBC is Cambridge Brewing Company for yeah. people um, <laughs> has spread their their seeds. Right? I mean, there's brewers all across gone up the state and all yeah. across the country that oh, yeah. Will's had his hand in either teaching or, or mentoring. So it's oh, yeah. I mean, the, the reach is, you know, the, the reach is great. Uh, it was it was great when several years later I did work with Ben Roche at Wormtown. Yeah. Very cool. You know, and, he's, and we never worked together at CBC. He preceded me there, but we kind of knew that, you know, we already knew each other, just knew that this was going to work out. Mm. Yeah. And a lot of the, you know, a lot of the guys who trained under me, too, you know, are have started their own breweries cool. and that's that is definitely the coolest thing to see people you've worked with yeah trained and yeah. you know see that they you know find their own identity as a brewer they take you know they take the skills and knowledge but find their own voice yeah. too and have found successful ways to you know to express their voice yeah right you mentioned Wormtown sandwiched in between Sam mm-hmm. Adams and and uh, Cambridge Brewing Company two established breweries and mm-hmm. Wormtown coming up as an established brewery, but at the time that you were there, uh, still making a name for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about your experience at Wormtown. It was a whirlwind. I was only there for a year, but it has this feeling of almost of being a lot longer just because it was the time when we were uh, building out the new production facility. Yep. So okay. I was making the move from Park Ave to Shrewsbury Street. Yeah. And it was, so it was, it was intense. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was intense. Right? You know, you know, running, you know, the, the thing that, you know, Ben really recruited me for was, you know, knowing that he was already so deep into the 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 build out of the new space. He knew that he would be able to trust me to make sure that everything kept running, you know, back in the original pub and then, you know, help out with the commissionings. I'd already just gone through helping open another brewery down in DC a couple of years before that. So I already had some of that some of that experience yeah. with going through a new system and, and and all that kind of stuff. So what we went through, even though it was only a year, I still feel like it was it was intense. We were such a small group, and it still feels like it still feels like family. Yeah, those guys sure. are still family. Yeah, yeah, we love Form Town. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, talk about taking that jump from Form Town. Did you go directly to Sam Adams or? Yes. Yeah, and that was why it wound up being such a. Such a short time yeah, there. The this opportunity can't pass up almost. Exactly. And then that's what happened. My first thought when I saw the uh, the head brewer job at you know Sam Adams, you know, in JP listed, my first thought was, Well, that's too bad. Because I have a I just recently started a job that I really like. Yeah. But I didn't even apply for it at first. And then some uh, some other colleagues who you know, worked at Sam Adams, not in brewing, but some other people really encouraged me to apply. And it really did just seem like an opportunity that was too you good to, to not yeah. check it out. Yeah. No. no, the JP facility is all the, the, the nano brews. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the Boston lagers, the, the Correct. wheat. So you're, you're in charge of all these recipes that are here today, probably. You know? Yeah, it was, it, it's the facility where every recipe other than Boston lager got its start. 
So research and development, uh, you know, know, new recipe development, new product development. So we, we, we would start everything. And that would mean many, many, many variations of any one recipe before it ever gets to national distribution and many recipes that never got to national distribution, not because they were, you know, bad, but just, there's not always, there's not always a place for them yeah, out on the shelves. Yeah, there's not always mm-hmm. a demand for yeah, it. Yeah, look how crowded, I mean, how crowded <laughs> today you know, the, the market sure. is. You know, there's not, there's not a home for every beer, no matter how wonderful it is. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in, a, in another podcast, um, being a professional musician <laughs> and saying that there's, um, and I forget the, uh, you, I think it was Brahm, you said, you know, thousands of <laughs> orchestras play um, such and such song. Mm-hmm. Um, do we really need another wit beer out there in the field? Um, Sam Adams is keeping up with brewers who are, you know, brewing the Hazy Boys. And how do you guys maintain being, um, you know, relevant and not trying to be like, you know, the dad out back? You know, you know, I, I, I hate to say that. I mean, my dad drinks Boston Lager, so I can say. <laughs> well, good for your dad. Yeah, yeah. I like your dad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we've always approached brewing with with a sense of of sincerity and authenticity and you know even when you think about you know your dad out back you know you know doing doing something well you know your dad was once a young guy and you you know you'll realize that with you know with that sense of you know of authenticity and creativity if you go back and you really look at the portfolio of of sam adams as the as the beers under the brand developed in at the time a lot of it was really very you know very innovative really really cutting edge for you know, the American brewing community. So there's no, you know, there's really nothing inauthentic, I think, about about what we do. Yeah, that's awesome. Talk about the interview. Now, do you just sit down? <laughs> did you sit down with Jim and he said, oh, you're hired? Or was it, is it a, <laughs> did you have to brew on their, their system? To Well, it, I actually didn't meet Jim until I was already hired, okay. which was kind of, <laughs> kind of surprising, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was... Uh, it was mostly at David Grinnell, who's our, you know, vice president of yeah. brewing operations and one of the original brewers, you know, here, mm-hmm. you know, here in Boston. And, you know, he, you know, I met with several people, but, but he and I spent, you know, a long time over a couple pitchers. Yes. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, that, that's, that's part of it. Right. For sure. For sure. <laughs> but, you know, talking, talking a lot about just beer brewing, philosophy of you know, just your mindset and philosophy and personality See, it's a good fit because of fit, course. fit is everything yeah. yeah yeah again you can have you know incredibly talented people and if the fit isn't right right yeah any work environment fit is really is really key do you have a um, a favorite beer to brew or is there any one recipe here that is kind of your baby that you really just honed in on or one of the beers that I really love that's on tap right now is the Ambirana Imperial Stout. Okay. So it's it's an Imperial Stout aged on a Brazilian hardwood called oh, Ambirana. Kind of different. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's I first had it when I was judging World Beer Cup a few years ago. Very cool. And you're looking at all the, the descriptions of the beers because everything's you know you know anonymized, so you don't know what the beer is, but you get you know descriptions of what kind of wood or ingredients or special processes. I'm like. I don't know what what's this. <laughs> uh, what does that it, even taste like? Right. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. And then I tasted it, and I, you know, started to figure out what it tastes like. Um, but you know, learned about this. You know, it, it's not like it's not like any you know any uh, you know oak that you're that you're used to. It's so completely different. It's 
spicy. Hmm. It's very, you know, very cinnamon forward. Interesting. You know, mostly. And, you know, you drink this beer and you get all those, you get all these spices and there's absolutely no spice involved in making the beer, but it's That's hard. Super cool. you, you wouldn't believe it. Right, right. So I just think, you know, this wood is just so unique and mm. it's finally making its way you know, up to North America. More brewers have started to play with it, but I was really, you know, happy to be, you know, one, one of the earlier well, brewers of it. <laughs> one of the first that I had seen. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, not commercially. I mean, just in the here in the tap room, mm-hmm. but still one of the first examples that that I'd actually seen around. So I was kind of happy to Very cool. introduce people to something a little different. No one knows about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you do a recipe development on a beer that's not readily available? Like a New England IPA, you can go to any packy around here or mm-hmm. any brewery around here and, and do some. Yeah. Uh, you know, checking and, and taste testing, but something like that beer, how do you? Well, some of it's kind of winging it. Yeah. I mean, especially if, you, if you've been brewing a long time too, you have a pretty good idea of how things are going to work. So some of it really is, you. what's your confidence level? How confident <laughs> do you feel that I can pull this off at 10 barrels versus, you know, a, you know, a nano size batch of like, let's give it a shot at 10 gallons and <laughs> make sure, make sure that right. it works. There's really there's a lot to be said for doing that, and I, I did that for several years run, uh, running our nano brewery in Jamaica Plain as well, just doing those super small batches and trying every variation on everything. But sometimes you just got to throw, you know, you got to throw caution to the wind and say, I know this is going to work. Yeah, yeah. The Jamaica Plain um, location, it's all experimental. That mm-hmm. sometimes makes it into full fledged production, sometimes doesn't, mm-hmm. and and then. How often does it make it into full-fledged distribution, and what are some ones that you started from its infancy that is in people's fridge today? I don't know how many actually make it, you know, make it to full-fledged production, but you know, compared to ones that don't, um, not that many though. I mean, yeah. even in in the years that I, in the five years that I've been there, you know, you'd see you'd see more beers winding up in. Uh, the variety packs that we that we had that were that used to have you know four to six you know beers per you know per mm-hmm. one instead of now it's down to like three or four, so it's it's not as many you know, there's just not as many spaces out there right. for you know for getting something like a, a one of my favorites that went out there was a spruce lager mm. that was you know one, that was in a, yeah. in a spring variety pack a couple of years ago yeah. that was a that was a really really fun terrific one, but you know finding a you know a space for that a skew for a, a six pack of of that is going to be a lot harder to do for, you know, for us with our, with our distribution footprint. Uh, One of the biggest projects that I worked on and certainly not me alone, but started in the nano brewery was the New England IPA. And it was a style I had zero experience with brewing. And even at the time when I started working on it, there wasn't nearly as much information as there is today Mm -hmm. research. So a lot of it was just, you know, again, this is where the, you know, the 10, 15 gallons comes in really handy. You know, you can do a whole bunch of variations, uh, with, you know, and, you know, try to narrow, narrow down ingredients and process uh, before going up to the, you know, the larger scale of 10 barrels. Yeah. What were some of the beers that you remember trying, introducing yourself to the New England style? <sighs> I think we just, you know, went across the board. I really just, whenever, whenever I'm, you know, thinking about a beer... You know, you know, designing a beer, I always think about the glass. I think about the fine, you know, the final beer, the beer inside that glass. What's the beer I want to drink? And it's not going to be. It's never a clone of any beer that I've had. Of course, yeah, yeah. True. Anyway, so you think about you know the reason you, know, you drink 
you know, other people's beers is first, you know, you admire all your colleagues too. Right. And so that's always fun. There's so many people making great beer. Yeah. It's one of the things I love about this industry that we all actually admire each other and mm-hmm. we get motivated by other people's you know, success. For you sure. know, it's, it's, it's inspiring to see other people do things that you're like, Oh man, I wish I, I wish I could do that, could do that. Um, but I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll drink, you know, not all at once, but you know, <laughs> a dozen or two try to find examples of, of any kind of style and think about what, you know, what is it from, from all of them? What yeah. different flavors taste like, I guess? What different flavors together. and what, what's the overall, what say I've had, you know, if, say there's a dozen beers and, you know, four out of them have a certain kind of sweetness that is the, you know, the, like that starts to reach me as like, that's, that's the kind of sweetness I want or a certain kind of hop character. Like that's, that's the finish I'm looking for. So then you try to sort of, figure out what is the beer that I actually, that I want to say, this is my interpretation. Again, it goes back to the whole uh, method of, of being a musician too. You know, you, we listen to so many performances and study so many, you know, recordings, you know, of, of a piece that we're going to interpret, but you never, you're never copying. You're looking for, you know, the bits of inspiration to help you find your voice. Mm -hmm. It's important. Mm. How do you feel about Hayes? Is that something that hazy beers? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, my my evolution has definitely you know, definitely had an evolution of thought on it. Uh, yeah, it was something that was just so different than how most of us had been, you know, in my generation uh, raised to brew. We were always pushed to have bright beer, and if beer wasn't bright, there's something it was, wrong with it. Right, right. Yeah. right. It's yeah. you know the, the hallmark of quality was you know, bright finished beer and it didn't have to be filtered necessarily to be bright, but, you know, but just that if it was, if it was hazy and, you know, certainly, oh my God, if it was opaque, unless it was, you know, a a wheat beer, (laughs) then it was not, it was low quality. So once I, you know, started to actually work with the style and, you know, taste them and, and then, and really work with them, you know, I started to learn a lot more about you know the what the what the haze means it doesn't just mean that unfiltered is better it's it's a it's a it's a process it's a brewing process that you know that leaves that generates uh a whole different flavor palette that is missing without what that haze represents it's not even what it re- represents visually it's what it actually represents yeah. uh you know chemical reaction wise right. what's going on in there and that's that's the beauty of it yeah. yeah so you spent how many years at the at the jp facility before making your way over here um i've been with the company almost five years so nice yeah pretty much uh there for you know pretty much until now no. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean we're working on this transition you know for you know yeah. for a while but so sort of in a you know a transitional role mm. Uh, getting ready to be here, but not knowing exactly when this was going to start. Right. <laughs> Did you know pretty early on that you would have been the head person here, the head brewer here? I'd hoped. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it, se- it seemed like it would be a good fit, and you know, an environment in which I'd spent that kind of time before working, you know, working in pubs a lot, mm. you know, and having a a direct connection to you know the drinkers across the bar, you know, seeing people you know drinking the beers you make. So it was an environment juggling a lot of different taps that you know that i with which i'd had a lot of experience how much input did you have in the brew system 
the brew house that's here? A lot, actually. Yeah. I did actually get to go to Germany a couple times. Yeah. Uh, first, when we were, you know, uh, doing uh, just, you know, taking taking bids on the initial systems, and even at that time, when we first went over systems this small, this is a you know five hectoliter system, which is about you know four and a quarter barrels. So it's it's a pretty small system, yeah. especially for you know a fully automated you know kind of brew house. Uh, the manufacturers we were speaking with weren't doing a lot of systems like at that size at that time. So it was going to be a big deal for yeah. them to you know, <laughs> scale down everything, but still have the same kind of precision automation that we were looking for. Now, uh, now they're doing more systems like that oh, cool. because, yeah. you know, there's, there is a bigger market for, there's certainly Newer, always been a big market. Brewers. There's yeah. been a big market for the smaller systems, but more people are willing to invest the money mm-hmm. in in the system and you know and the automation that comes with it. So you know they're they're doing more of that. But I did have a lot of I, I did get to go over and you know help uh, decide on on uh, Browcon, which is the Very manufacturer cool. we went with, and yeah. they're fabulous. We've done a lot of work with them. Yeah. Just been really pleased with especially these small systems. We've heard good things. There's a few breweries that we know of. Who've oh yeah, upgraded to those. So pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Talk about opening this place. I mean, you, you got to choose it. I'm sure that it was not an easy undertaking. I'm sure there's a lot oh, of no. hidden stuff, especially being in such a historic <laughs> area. Yeah. Uh, keeping the integrity of the area as well. But Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, taking over, you know, you know bu- building in a location like the Faneuil Hall <laughs> district. Yeah. I mean, all eyes are upon you. For you know, sure. Figuratively and literally. I mean, literally right now, but even figuratively before, it's a... It definitely is a bit of a big splash. The location yep. is, you know, you come across Congress Street and the first thing you see is the Sam Adams tap room and the Sam Adams statue that was already there. Yeah, I noticed that when I came. I'm like, oh, that's right. There's statues right here. This makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's just kind of amazing yeah. that that actually worked out. But, you know, taking a space that was, it was a very challenging space, actually. Oh, sure. Uh, it had multiple levels inside before and we tried to you know make sure that we wanted to keep different you know keep different levels but make a better flow than had existed before mm-hmm. the previous uh, establishment you'd have you had to go downstairs to even get in oh okay yeah so the entrance was already sunken yeah and so it was it was not the most inviting <laughs> right so you actually had to walk all the way to the end to then go downstairs, go inside, and then go down again. So it was, yeah. it, it was just, it didn't have a lot of visual draw, you know, for people as they're walking by. This, we brought it up to grade, up to the sidewalk, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, all windows, and it, there's a bar on that first level as it's well as the brew inviting. house. So it's, yeah. It, yeah, it's definitely inviting. It draws, it draws a lot of attention, but it also has to work. It's not right. just, it's not just here to be pretty. Not just pretty. Yep. Yeah. I said to you, Brittany, your, your marketing person, uh, it's like an, the Apple store version of a, 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 a brew, a brew, a brewery. Yeah. It's very functional. Yeah. There's yes. lots of charger stations. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, but it, you know, and that, and that goes with, that's, that goes with the territory. Oh, for sure. That's what, you know, mm-hmm. people want and need. We want people to be comfortable here. Yeah. We want them to, to feel like this is a place that, that they can be and spend time. It's right. not, it's mm-hmm. not somewhere where we're trying to rush people out. We want people to actually, you know, come here, stay, feel like, feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I've noticed just even in the, what, uh, two weeks that we've been open now, there's a uh, an ease I see with 
with the with the drinkers at the bar and at the tables that people look really comfortable already. They look like it's a good they've been here yeah. a while. And I don't yeah. just mean like they've been there for hours. I mean, <laughs> they, they look like they feel comfortable in the environment. Yeah. And that's a really nice feeling to see. How do you get people to come to this? Obviously, it's an awesome <laughs> location, right? But I mean, people who can go to the restaurant right across the mm-hmm. street and get virtually the same beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but why do they choose to come to come here? Well, they come here for two reasons. They come here, you know, for one, you know, we're not a restaurant. So we want them to go to you know all the other restaurants around here. We're not in the restaurant business. We're we're brewers. We make beer. We have we have some. Uh, some some great you know bites here. Uh, got some flatbreads and sandwich every day, but we're not we're not in the restaurant business. But what they come here for are you know are the different beers. We they come here for the innovation for the the twenty draft lines that we have that are beers that are not going to make it. Many of them you know, are never going to you know see production outside of outside of this space. We're not in the we're also not in the business of uh, you know R and D here. This is just purely you know purely innovation so but that doesn't mean that a beer that is incredibly successful here might not be identified as something that you know could have a larger a larger footprint if you know if people sort of demand it but yep. that's not that's not what we're looking for here this is just a you know this is an innovation hub bit just of a, a place playground to have fun yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly that's really cool that is cool yeah a lot of you're you're in a great position where you don't have to you know that the eight core beers are going to sell yes. so those allow you to have a green tea yeah uh, pale ale or the uh lemon, the lemon drop. yeah yeah exactly um, talk about how you get inspiration for some of these beers i mean a green tea and a pale ale i mean you don't have to talk about that one specifically but anyone no, that's yeah. that, that is one that i really love it's one i i first made uh, a few years ago i think did it start in the nano or did i go straight in the 10 barrel i can't remember but you know, you know, tea. It just it's it, it's an it's a really cool ingredient. It's something I again I'm often inspired by things that I already like separately from beer, and I have a lot of culinary inspiration uh, when when it comes when it comes to beer because there's so many flavors and so many things that you can do in the realm of beer mm. that it's, and you're not trying to make something taste like you know an item of food, you know, necessarily like, like say, you know, one of the beers that we just uh, ran out of the Moscow mule. Mm-hmm. Um, I was bummed no, about that. I was like, Oh, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Looks kind of cool. <laughs> but, like, but no one's going to think it's the cocktail, but it's inspired by those flavors and yeah. the, you know, the ginger, the lime, that crispness, a little acidity. So it's things, things are inspired by that. The green tea, um, I drink a lot of green tea. I love, yeah. you know, and <laughs> there's, it, it seemed like, and it could work that the 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 spiciness of the tea could work really well with uh with certain hops mm. just you know balance an actual mm. hoppy pale ale not just not only have it be you know sort of gruet herbal you know herbal like but yeah. really find that balance between you know spicy hops spicy tea and get you know get a bit of a tea note in there so and it's always looking for ways to you know integrate and find balance now sometimes going out of balance is a little fun too. Mm. Like you know, like, like the Ambirana. I mean, that's just that's just super cool. It's just wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. To kind of sidetrack here, um, yeah. what's it been like being a woman in the industry? And uh, do you have any advice for other women getting into the industry, or just people in general? See, I always find that kind of an interesting question because yeah. I you know, I 
don't know what it's like to not be a woman in the industry. <laughs> True, I don't, I don't, good point. <laughs> right, like I don't know what it's like to be to be a man in the industry. Yeah, yeah. or or in any industry. I've always been in right. kind of non traditional fields. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's never really uh, it's never been as much of an issue. Yeah, but I you know it doesn't mean that it isn't an issue. Right, you know, you know because you know I may not have had you know I've I have been fortunate that I haven't encountered. Uh, anyone that's really doubted that I could do your job, do my job yeah. And that, yeah. I, that, yeah, that whether it's, you know, physically or intelligence wise, I've never, I've been fortunate that I haven't really encountered that. Right. But I also realized that that does not mean that there aren't people out there who do doubt. Right. Uh, and that a lot of, a lot of women I know have had very, different experiences so again For this sure. is kind of that that uh, aspect of good fortune that yeah. i've yeah i've encountered i've got i mean i've been in the industry 16 years so i've got a lot of colleagues a lot of yeah. people i know and <laughs> you know i've encountered in you know on the whole the most respectful you know just you know just peers everyone's everyone's peers and friends and it's a great community but you know there's For sure. there are still realistic aspects of you know of gender dynamics and in the work in, in all workplaces yeah. and industries, it is, you know, it, it's tough work. It's definitely physically demanding. It is you know, by modern standards, non-traditional work for, <laughs> you know, for a female. I mean, there are times I, I definitely miss my city hands, you know, <laughs> I miss being able right? to get, you know, actually, you know, get a manicure and have it last or for more than a day or two. I, yeah. Like, or no, I can't get nail polish because I'm going back to work and yeah. can't wind up in the, you know, in the beer. <laughs> right. Right. Do you think that's kind of a East Coast thing versus elsewhere in the United States or the world? Do you think we just kind of have that great diversity already built in or? Well, we've, I mean, one of my, you know, one of the first, you know, brewers I, you know, I encountered, you know, professional, you know, like I said, was Jody. You know, that's why yeah. I knew there was already, you know, a prominent woman, you know, here in Boston in the industry. We've had, you know, there, there have been, you know, a lot of you know, leading women who've been, you know, who've been great role models. So I never, it never occurred to me that. You couldn't it do wasn't the job an option. Or right. right. Yeah. Or that there wasn't a place for, you know, women in the industry. Yeah. Very cool. Love hearing it. <laughs> what are some breweries around the area that you feel um, are doing it right? Oh, wow. Well, every, I mean, the community has grown so much, too. Uh, it's, you know, the whole landscape has changed. Just even the number of breweries. I can't always even keep up. But... I mean, obviously, I'm always, always fond of CBC. Mm. I mean, of they, course. yeah, they still, I mean, that, and that's where I kind of learned to have a, you know, follow that spirit of, of innovation and, you know, sort of thumbing your nose at, at tradition yeah. in They're some ways, innovative with their beers. but also yeah. really em- embracing tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many breweries that I haven't, I haven't checked out yet. You know, uh, you know, Night Shift's new spot over, you know, here at Lovejoy Wharf, yep. um, you know, there, you know, there's a close by and, you know, Trillium's locations around here, all the, all the, I think one thing that's really been nice is all the, uh, the beer gardens yeah. that are just, you know, they're, they're expanding the, you know, just the widening that umbrella, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, of, of beer drinkers and, you know, people to, you know, to feel comfortable going to craft beer establishments and being willing to try different flavors and, you know, just, just you know, getting, getting to expose themselves to a lot more Something op- different options. Yeah. 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 Being open to it. I right. Guess. Right. I'm glad you brought up options. Um, we see 
some new options maybe in the last <laughs> two years. Um, and Sam Adams is, has their hands in, in it, uh, but we're talking about spiked seltzers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, as a brewer, how do you feel about them? And as a person, in the, in the, <laughs> how do you feel? Oh, no, no, no. They're surprisingly refreshing. Yes. <laughs> right? We just go like, that ourselves. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, and it's, you know, it's, they, they're, they're, there's a great, there's a great time and a place for them too. for, you know, I think they, they have a really, a really broad appeal. There's something, it's really nice that we actually have, we have truly on draft here. I think that that's a great, it's a great opportunity it's for people. Yeah. It's yeah. a great, it's a great group. I'm so glad option. you didn't say tr- that was, it's truly awesome. <laughs> it's truly awesome. <laughs> it does happen all the time. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. even when you don't mean it, you're like, right. Oh, oh damn it. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did it again. <laughs> damn it. Yes. But they, yeah, they're they're surprisingly refreshing. But uh, they can still get you know four and a half percent. Yeah. You know you 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 know, you pop one of those into a you know an imperial pint uh, you know, at at home in twenty ounce glass. I'm like, you see those twelve <laughs> ounces? Like oh, that just kind of oh, looks so fine, lonely. Right? Let me put another one on top yeah. of it, and then you do that twice. And like oh, oh. yes, <laughs> I was only four hundred calories, but. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've just had four, four and a half right. percent. Right. And you have no idea right. until you've had all of them. Right. <laughs> like, all right then. Yeah. I guess, I guess uh, <laughs> what I'm getting at is when you started 2004, right? Mm-hmm. Did you anticipate <laughs> that seltzers would be the thing that people were going towards in 2020? You know? Hazy beers, seltzers, <laughs> yeah, yeah. none Who of it. Who knows what's yeah. next, right? Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Never. You never know what what's going to be the next, mm-hmm. the next best thing. Yeah, you know, the, the the next the next big thing. Um, yeah, a lot of trends. I mean, just even the way that you know IPAs just took off. You know, barrel aging. Uh, when when those you know became really more mainstreamed as opposed to uh, you know so you know so focused when that those became so incredibly popular. There was a time not that long ago when when those were not popular styles. Lagering is lagering is yep. a huge thing right now. A lot of breweries are doing it. Well, lo- some are doing it extremely well, and some are doing <laughs> it well. Well, lager- lagering is tough, yeah. and, and the thing is, what makes it tough is time mm. and Tank that. Space. Yes, yeah. and that's always been, I think, the biggest, the biggest holdup and hangup for you know for most small breweries is that you can make a lot more ales, you can turn those tanks over, and you know sell more beer, which you know really you can put back into your business right. and. You know, there's a lot to be said for that, but taking the time, devoting a tank to, well, there's that's a tank we can't use for five weeks. Mm. That's a that's a big commitment, mm-hmm. and it's you know not it's not necessarily a great business you know plan for you know for smaller breweries if you're you know if you're you know trying to make sure that there's if you don't have a lot of tanks. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a juggling act, but it's also you know identifying your priorities as a as a brewer and a brewery. And, you know, more, as they said, more people are doing it because they're finding that they want to, they they want to experience that themselves as well and then share it. Yeah. I'm a fan of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Bouncing back a little bit. um, Do you have a house strain yeast here or do you just use whatever, like USO5 or something like that? Oh, we've got several strains that, you know, that we work with in-house. So pretty much our, you know, we've got a, The Sam Adams yeast. Yes, yes. Our (laughs) our house Sam Adams yeast, you know, that that we're using in, you know, in all of our, in all of our beers. Okay. You know, a couple different ale yeasts. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, our, of course, our lager yeast. Yeah, of course. Of course, our lager, (laughs) our house Belgian. Yep. We've got, we've got a repertoire. But a nice thing here is that 
if I want to do a single batch of something, that would be a different yeast strain. I've right. got that flexibility where yeah. I can do that. I mean, juggling a lot of different yeast strains also adds a whole lot of complexity. I can imagine. To, <laughs> yes. to any brewery. And there's a yeah. reason why a lot of people Just try have and, the one or whatever. Yeah, because yeah. it's, you know, there's so many, you know, it, it's hard. Yeah, don't worry about yeah. cross-contamination, I mm-hmm. guess, right? Yeah, yeah cross-contamination of strains, getting mm-hmm. some sort of mutation, yeah. um, making sure that you can actually... You know, harvest and repitch, right. just so just even the even just financially, yeah. like not seeing a strain die, yeah, too early. You know, saying, For "Well, sure. that was one and done. <laughs> that was a nice, right? That was fun." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have you played at all with the quake yeast at all yet, or? I haven't used it here okay. in, you know, in, in, uh, in here at Faneuil Hall, yeah. but we've definitely, we definitely uh, have used it down in in JP. We actually just uh, just released a quake. Cool. Uh, like uh, IPA down there nice. in cans. Nice. So that just came out, I think, just got canned last week. So yeah. that should be coming out. Very cool. Positive feedback. Yep. Kind of weird. Oh, yeah. About it. <laughs> it is. It's wild. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not wild, but it's, it, what's <laughs> yeah. amazing is that you know, it yeah. just, it you can ferment it hot you can, and it ferments fast and it's clean. Yeah. Right. It's, Which is super weird. It's wild. It, it's, yeah. it, so in that way, it's wild. Yeah. 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 Very cool. How much, car- uh, how much carryover is from jp to here is it is it the same some some brews or most are going to be most are going to be different and unique i mean that's that's kind of that's kind of the you know the the goal is that you know each each has its own tap room i mean you'll probably see a couple beers you know here and there yeah but you know but uh we're looking to have you know different offerings because there's so that there's reasons to go to both uh you know jamaica plain you know, the people are going there for the tours, but it's also a real neighborhood kind of place. It is. Oh, yeah. And Definitely. that's what I think is so cool is that it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, finally become like you know, a, local a, a neighborhood, goal. a neighborhood spot yeah. in JP where it's been for, you know, 30 years. Yeah. yeah. But finally, like, yeah, like the neighborhood watering hole. So, you know, we want to have something unique, you know, unique offerings there and also showcasing the talents of, of, of our brewing team down there. We've got sure. you know, a lot of talented brewers in our, in our whole group. So, They've got a place and got an outlet for all their ideas. And then we've got, you know, a whole different set of offerings up here. Cool. Awesome. Anything like this going over to the Midwest and your Cincinnati area? Well, we, you know, we do, we did open a tap room Mm -hmm. at our Cincinnati brewery about a block and a half from the Cincinnati brewery in November of, I guess, 2018 now. And that's right near the Findlay market Mm -hmm. area. Oh, so it's just cool area. It's a yeah, cool. Yeah. It's a really in cool the, area. In the over the Rhine area. Right? Exactly, yep. and that area is also growing yes. and getting. You know, it's it's getting revitalized. Yeah. There. So it a, used to be a terrible, terrible right, area. Yeah, right. So it's it's really revitalized. Yeah. So and we you know we want to you know kind of you know again remind ourselves that we've been a part of that brewing community for yeah. a very long time, and you know have a place for you know for our brewer Chris there you know to to bring you know, you know interesting, unique, and innovative beers to you know, to this, to the growing, you know, Cincinnati, you know, craft beer scene. Uh, I would be remiss not to ask how much of a, of, of a role does Jim have in <laughs> beers that Brewing are served here, here <laughs> beers that are served <laughs> Cincinnati, beers that are served in Jamaica Plain? In the tap rooms, really not much. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. much more involved when it comes to beers that we're developing for distribution. Okay. So, okay. I mean, and he, it, what's always impressed me since I started working here was, how how involved he is and how knowledgeable he is about all the projects that are going on. I mean, a lot of owners, you know, after all these years, could very easily just phone it in. Yeah, I just I mean, hey, you like, could. Why, right? Yeah, I mean. why not? You've you've built a successful <laughs> exactly. business. You hired people to yep. do it. 
uh, and just, you know, go Spend off. Spend your and, yacht somewhere, right? You know, sit, yeah, exactly. <laughs> sit on your yacht, you know, go ski. Yeah. You know, yeah. He'll still, he still will go climb mountains and stuff. Oh, but, That's crazy. But he still, you know, has, he will still drink every, you know, every production batch of Boston Lager will get shipped to him and he'll, That's awesome. you know, he'll do it, you know, he'll taste every, yep. every batch that goes out, but also yep. new projects, you know, he, yeah, want, the Dogfish Head one, understand. right? Mm-hmm. You did a collab with Dogfish Head. He was a part of that, I would assume. He's a part. He's yeah. pretty much a part of everything. Yeah. and so yeah. and it's it's really it's really just impressive how you know, like I said, how much he still you know he still cares. He's not right. slowing down. That's, that's good. That's, that's awesome. good to hear. Yeah. Speaking of Dogfish Head, mm-hmm. how much did that impact things? And were you ever worried about anything changing culture-wise, or not worried? No, definitely not worried. When we first heard the news, I mean, for us, you know, we first heard the news about the same time everyone else did, yeah. maybe 15 minutes earlier. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah. still, I remember my first thought was... It was a good kept secret. Well, it, yeah, <laughs> it was. It really was. Yeah, yeah. trust me, it was. Yeah. But it's a publicly traded company. It yeah. has to be. Because you, you, you can't have those kinds yeah, of risks. Of course. But I remember thinking, because it's pretty big news. For sure. <laughs> my first thought was, huh, it's... May, not April. So it's not April first. Wow, this is real. This is not April Fool's <laughs> joke. This is like, like holy, like, oh, holy yeah. smokes! Because yeah. this is a big deal. Yeah, but it makes complete sense mm-hmm. as well, too. Uh, I think your companies are fairly similar, like you know, culturally. Similar culturally, you know? similar mindset, different product ranges yes. overall. So very, you know, complementary. Right. Like there's not. I don't seem to feel like there's a lot of risk of. Uh, one scavenging off the other. It's you know it's not like Boston Lager right. will be replaced. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, or sixty minute. You know? yeah. Like the, yeah, yeah. These you know beers are you know our beers and brands are pretty pretty well established and but the overall like ethos and ethics of of each company is, are are pretty similar and really really well matched. Mm. In your five years at Sam Adams, there's been some pretty monumental things that have happened. You're the official beer of Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. You've had that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> you've had three Super Bowl commercials, two oh. Super Bowl. Yeah, um, and you guys are this the second best craft beer in the United States, right? The second, second, second largest, largest, yeah. largest, largest, largest. Yep. So, first best. Yeah, second, yeah, right? Yeah, second largest. Yeah, second largest. Is it no coincidence? You've been here for <laughs> no, no, no. But um, I mean, you've seen. Some significant growth in five years. Yeah, we definitely, I definitely have you know, um, a lot. You know, yeah, a lot of evolution. A lot of, I never, you know, never would have even thought when I first started here that we would be, you know, doing hazy, yeah. you know, hazy IPAs. But it's great that we do get to, you know, the Sam Seventy Six. Yeah. You know, you know, doing this, you know, really actually creating a, you know, lager and so ale good. and that, that 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 blend that hybrid fermentation. Mm-hmm. Just you know, actually getting to do something you know, innovative and unique and different and bringing them to you know bringing them to a national markets it's been kind of been pretty, pretty exciting cool. it was yeah. it, it was a pretty big deal yeah correct me if i'm wrong i read online that the cold snap recipe changed i think there's been a few like the summer changed as well yeah. yeah yeah where do you guys make that decision to change it is it feedback that you guys are getting i mean tap room or you know it's not not like how do you guys get feedback Sam Adams. Well, I mean, a lot of the feedback you know, probably you know comes from you know market trends and okay. sales and things like that. Just yeah. seeing you know, what what are what are people's tastes as well mm-hmm. too, and you know sometimes the the, the ta- you know the taste even of an established brand 
you know, does need to evolve. Uh, just like anything, of you've course. got it's got it's got to stay fresh. Yeah. If people are looking for, especially as as we've gone with, you know, with summer ale with cold snap lighter and brighter, mm-hmm. you'll know, focus on you know on the on the citrus. You know, you know, brighten that up. If you're looking for a you know little you know lighter palate, you know, how can you keep the integrity of of the profile so that it's still it's still summer ale, it's still cold snap, but it's in the it, it's, it's been refreshed. It's been refreshed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you want to make sure nothing nothing ever should stay stagnant. Yeah. Why, why do you think people think that Sam Adams isn't innovative? I, it's such a silly thing to me. You guys had double buck, triple buck, like in the 90s. Right. Right? But nobody else was doing that. <laughs> right, um, right. Why do you? Why does Sam Adams have that stigma? Like, well, because you almost kind of said it earlier when you talked about your dad out back. My dad's it's, it's true. Yeah, I mean, sort of the, yeah. yeah, sort of the, you know, the, the dad thing. You know, yeah, just the the sense of it, it's almost you, you've seen it happen to a lot of brands. It's almost a curse of success and mm, you know yeah. and growth that when when you're small and everyone wishes they could they could have you know have access to to you everywhere Hmm. um then when you find you you know you finally deliver that and then there's there's other you know smaller that people can't get everywhere and so it gets not not that not that they get more interesting but there's a certain comfort level that happens with uh with um that kind of growth and you can get a boston lager almost anywhere Hmm. you know you can you can get that anywhere and that's great and then you think well i can I can get that. I, I can have that any time. Well, maybe I'll try this. So I think it's just it's just kind of the it, it's almost the, the victim of success. Like I said, it's not us, you know, uniquely, but mm. just you, you see that happen to you know to you know any any kind of brand that eventually yeah. you know works so hard to deliver to the demand that that's been out there, mm. and maybe maybe that's why yeah. or part of it at least. Yeah. So I think we're at the point in the podcast where we want to get to know you, even though we know a lot about you, but we want to know a little bit more. A little bit more. <laughs> We've already been chatting a lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, you, wanna, you guys want to ask these? Ryan? Well, I wanted to ask a few questions um, sure. about how you work with um, your peers here. Mm-hmm. Right? If there was one piece of information that you have in your brain, right? And you would be able to give it to them. What would that one piece of information be? I think back to when I was commissioning a system uh, when I was living in the D.C. area, and I think it was the first brew uh, my assistant and I did on that system, and it was a disaster. <laughs> it was just an absolute disaster. Everything was going wrong. Uh, yeah, everything was going wrong. <laughs> and there we found ourselves, you know, after a long day, I'm sure. Probably about 14 <laughs> hours. Yeah. Um, and, you know, deciding, it was probably about like 10, 10 p.m., nearing, you know, nearing midnight. We're sitting there. I was up on the fourth floor on the brew deck, and we're sitting there, like, so tired, deciding, do we go home now? <laughs> we finally got word into the fermenter. But so what do we do? It's supposed to clean the brew house. And I remember saying, I only remember this because Bobby brought this up later at some point in a way that made me realize that he'd actually listened to what I said. And I said, well, we're going to stay and we're going to finish this. We're going to clean the brew house because you know, 
being a professional means you do a good job even All when you don't through, feel like right? it. Yeah. Even when you don't feel like yeah. it. Wow. That's and good advice. <laughs> the reason I feel like I remember that as being good advice and that why it stuck with me is that sometime later he I was I was away from the brewery and he'd just sent me a note about, well, it was another one of those kind of, not that bad of a day, but just <laughs> things were up and running. But just yeah. like, a, oh, I think I'm just going to, I think I'm going to like clean the brew house tomorrow. Yeah. Like, hey, that's, you know, that's fine. Whatever. You know, that's, and was sure. like, really, like totally, totally yeah. fine. Yeah. And then maybe about an hour or an hour and a half later, he sent me a picture and it was, maybe it was like running the brew house or something. Was like, whatever it was, but just. And the, his his text was just, I decided to be a professional. Yeah. And even I had to stop and think about what was he saying. What was oh, you? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, because right. And, and I, you know, and I I come back to that that advice a lot myself too because yeah. there have been a lot of times where like yeah, you're tired. You're exhausted. You're it's beat, been you know, fourteen hours. And or you whatever, don't have, right? You really don't have to. You could do it tomorrow. And sometimes you know, it's totally fine if you do. Yeah. But just. Whatever you, whatever you do, as long as the decision is still, you do a good job, mm-hmm. even if you can do it, even if you do it tomorrow, yeah. you still do a good job. And that's the difference between being a professional and an amateur. For sure. It's good advice in any field, though. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All across life. Yeah. Very cool. Now, if there was one thing in the process that you would like to learn more about or experiment mm. in, what would that be? Because it feels like this building... You, there's a lot of is chance. Is the place for is that? The place <laughs> for that. Yeah. It's like every brewer's dream, yeah. you know. One thing. Gosh, I'll give you two. Okay. <laughs> I wish I would like to learn. I, you know, I don't have all the resources here, but that actually might make it easier in some ways to really learn. I want to learn, a, you know, a lot more about you know yeast and fermentation, and so we don't have a lab here on site to rely upon for. Yeah you know, analysis or information. So I need to figure out, I need to be doing cell counts on yeast myself, getting to know what different strains look like under a microscope. And I feel like that's an opportunity where I've got a chance to learn a lot more about, you know, the, the real, you know, one of the real heroes of, of this whole brewing process, the unsung hero of yeast, this, you know, mystery. (laughs) So that that's yeah. something that I I feel like I've got an opportunity to to learn a lot more about because I'll have to be because it is getting back to a smaller scale and you know not rely, not relying on other resources. So that that's kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. A little intimidating too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like for oh, sure. who wants to do cell counts or right. microscope? People people who did their masters in yeast, right. <laughs> you know. Exactly. <laughs> And that's definitely not my background, but yeah. it's a real opportunity for me to, you know, to learn yet more about the the process. Mm. Hopefully, gain some greater mastery of knowledge. If not, you, know, you can't really master the ingredients, but just a greater a greater grasp. Yeah, yeah. So that's yes. a big one, I think. What about a style that you would like to learn mm. more about, or try to brew here? Or, yeah. Well, the nice thing is I don't have to choose with all these <laughs> right? tabs. Actually, anything, right? that's the, that's actually that actually makes it you know less uh you know less stressful of a, a of, of yeah. a uh, re- honestly really. So I you know I really am just kind of looking at always looking at you know a balance a balance of styles. Yeah, I mean my goal is to always to kind of make 
you know, you try to make the, you know, a wonderful version of, of whatever style. I mean, we all can say we want to make the best, but there is no objective best. Yes. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm. But that's the, that's the goal. At least if you can always feel like it's going to be someone's best and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be someone's favorite. Yeah. So kind of going along with the yeast there, I'm going to go, what is the most important ingredient in beer in your opinion? Well, the yeast is so critical. Um, okay. Cool. They're, I mean, they're all like if, if you've got bad water. Right. They I mean, all play I, a major they, role they all, for they sure. They all play a major role. But <laughs> I think yeast is quite often the, the big misunderstood, uh, the misunderstood aspect. Yeah. How to properly handle your temperatures. What, where is one yeast really going to thrive? Mm-hmm. And it's not even just limited to, well, this is where the yeast thrives. You've got different tank geometry. You've got, you know, I've got, you know, smaller tanks here, different size tanks than yeah. you know, just, you know, different dimensions than any other brewery I've worked in. So just even thinking about that, how are, the, where, how are these yeasts going to thrive in this environment? So yeah. that's, that is always the biggest challenge going from, going from one, any one brewery to another. Uh, you sure. sometimes find that like a yeast that worked great in a smaller brewery doesn't work as well in a larger, yeah. uh, just in larger tanks. So you've got to either figure out if you can work with it or if you have to start over. That's cool. Now, where do you guys get your ingredients? Uh, like, especially for here, like you're going to go out and like choose your own hops and. Well, actually we don't, we, we don't have a lot of, uh, we don't have a lot of storage space here, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I mean, if, if there's something that I, that I am looking for that we don't already have, you know, in, you know, in our system, you know, I can definitely, I can definitely find it. I've got that kind of freedom and flexibility, yeah. but right now kind of warehousing everything down in Jamaica Plain, yeah. we just don't, yeah. you know, as you can see, there's not, there's not, not a lot of space, space here. Not, yeah, not a lot of space. We well, you really build it to for the people, really. Right. <laughs> it's, right. it's really people sure. driven and customer yeah. driven. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the whole point. That's yeah. the whole point of having the tap room, yeah. you know, how having, you know, having people making a, a, a space for, you know, people to come and enjoy, but it is also, you know, a, it's also a functioning brewery. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> mm. Definitely. What's in your oh. fridge at home, beer-wise? In my fridge at home, I've got. It's funny because we've, <laughs> you know, I've kind of gotten out of uh, cellaring beers, so we've been actually, you know, good. We've actually gone been recently just been trying to drink through what we've had in the cellar cool. for a while. Just like, that's nice. Like why why are we holding on right. to these things? Like, right. Just, just drink them and enjoy them. Drink them and enjoy yeah. them. So we've been kind of just going through Very going cool. through what's in the cellar, and some of that is. Um, I'm sure interesting. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Some you know some some nice you know wild beers, barrel aged beers. Oh, There's the one bottle of Candillon that I still Ooh. just like. I still haven't decided the right occasion yeah. for that one. Yeah. Mm. Very cool. Do you have a couple of utopias? I do have, nice. you know, utop- I do have a few <laughs> years of utopias. Yeah. And those are, yeah. but those are still special occasions. Of course. But of course. sometimes yeah, a special yeah. occasion is it's Tuesday. Yeah. Or, you know, you, know? you just had a really bad day <laughs> and you're just like, you, you deserve exactly. that. Exactly. I mean, you can't wait for no. you know, everything to be a special occasion because <laughs> you don't have you, one will never yet. come or whatever, right? So. You'll, never, you'll never feel it special yeah. enough. And then, yeah. you, you know, you miss out on enjoying something or, you know, you, if you've got people and you want to share it with Share it. For sure. That's a good motto. Uh, guilty pleasure beer? Guilty. It's not that Budweiser that you <laughs> shared with your sister. <laughs> no, definitely. <laughs> uh, warm, flat, warm, 
no, it wasn't even flat. It was just that sort of super, you know, Been sitting out all day, super fizzy. <laughs> oh, it was yeah. not, Ooh. that was, that was not, that was not a good thing. <laughs> that was definitely not a, not a good thing. Maybe a guilty pleasure is the truly, and I'm one of those terrible things yeah. to admit. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, okay. Is, no, they really are. Like I said, yeah. they really are kind of you know, surprisingly refreshing. Right. <laughs> Sorry, mine's twisted tea, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. Um, I guess the most important question is we want people to come to this TAF space. So do I. But right? uh, <laughs> where are you guys physically located? So we are located, um, the street address is 60 State Street, but we are located right across from City Hall yeah. on, you know, bordering on Congress Street. So once you, if you get off the T at Government Center and you walk across, you know, walk across uh, past City Hall, go down those stairs, as soon as you walk into, as soon as you follow the Freedom Trail, you follow yep. the Freedom Trail and you get to us. Mm. Uh, so we're, so you know, we're right there. weekend day doing that. Does the, may, does the mayor <laughs> yeah, ever stop in after yeah. shift? Not yet. There actually was an event from his office here last oh. week. Oh, wow. Yes, there Very was. Cool. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. it's, it's really been nice to... <laughs> we expect him every Friday. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> kind, of, kind of hope that uh, this will be, you know, again, like a sort of a regular, comfortable gathering place for yeah. people for, you know, whether it's just, you know, a couple all walks people want to get together. But exactly. Yeah. All walks. Whether it's, you know, the, all the, all, everyone from the financial district or government around here, uh, all everyone, if you're on vacation, every tourist. But yep. also local, you know, like not not just from the offices, but if if you're local, you know, come on down. Yeah, it's and an easy train ride. Very yeah. easy, yeah. Very easy train ride. For sure. Mm. I mean, you've got you're you right know, out of Haymarket for the Orange Line, and you know, the, you know, blue and orange here yep. at State Street, right at the yep. corner as well, too. So you've got just about every line, yeah. really, really in walking distance. Downtown Crossing is not far away for the Red Line, so that's actually how I get in. Yeah, so. yeah. nice. I'm excited to come the outdoor patio that I you guys have I can't wait for it to be warmer. Beautiful. This is going to be beautiful. This is yeah. going to be the this is going to be the place to be. This, for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so come early because yeah. it's going to get yeah. filled up it's during the warmer yeah. months for sure. Yeah. And are you yeah. open um, Monday through Sunday or Yep, Monday through yeah. Sunday. Nice. Good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations to Sam Adams this is amazing. and, and Meg. Congratulations to you. Yeah, congratulations Thank you so much. This is a awesome opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a kid in a candy shop almost, Right? Yeah, this is really it really is uh, a brewery of a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Cool. And um, we like to end with, what are you most proud of? <sighs> I know it's a, it's a real stumper. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's that's always a hard one. But uh, I think I I always feel like uh, most proud of you know all the, the the brewers that I've that I've worked with who you know gone on is that to find their own voice. Right, that's really to, cool. To open their own breweries, you know, to to go and take the skills that. I may have had some hand in in helping them develop, yeah. But they found their own voices and they've gone off and been successful, and yeah, that's always the thing of which I'm most proud. That's Very an awesome cool. thing to be proud of. It is. Yeah. Well, thank you. Make sure you make your way down to Faneuil Hall location. It's more than just Boston Lager. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but grab Boston Lager, right? Because no, 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 it's no. amazing. <laughs> um, but it's a cool place, um, yes. and I'm just excited to go try some more. And, Definitely. Uh, I might have a, I might have a truly. Ooh, you can. Yeah, <laughs> you can have whatever you want. Yeah, Very but just good. one because just one because we gotta drive home. Yeah, he can <laughs> drive home too, yeah. But Megan, thank Hard you for. so much for doing Thanks. this. Oh, today. my pleasure. Thanks yeah. for coming in. Cheers. 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 Hey everyone, thank you for listening to our episode with Meg Parisi of Sam Adams Brewing. And if you made it this far, you know we run off of Small Pond Studios. 
this awesome studio located in Georgetown, Massachusetts, not only showcases some of the best live acts in the area, they can broadcast it globally to the world. To the world! Whoa. <laughs> Honestly, this is the home of Brew Brewers Podcast, and we couldn't be happier to be here. And if you are a podcast, if you are a recording artist, a full band, spoken word, whatever, you can record here too. And Ryan, what's the website to find out more about Small Pond Studio? Smallpondstudios.io. Yeah, so make Aww. sure to check it out because we sound amazing every week because of Small Pond Studio. Can you imagine what you'll sound like? All right, so we have an awesome episode lined up for you guys next week. And we're going to tell you who it is because we want you to find out on our social medias. So if you are following us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, awesome. And if you aren't, follow us at Brewroots on every social media. We have a YouTube page. Please follow us. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers so we can make like $2. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. So, uh, yeah, follow us on all social medias. And, Ryan, we're making a TikTok after this. So, no. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And until next week. Cheers. Cheers.